The Pharisees try to trap Jesus with the question, is it lawful for a man to divorce? How does Jesus respond to them? And what does his response teach us about divorce? I'm Pastor Jason Barnett, and this is the Dirt Pastorman Podcast.
to live happily ever after until the end of time. That is the goal. That, that's, that's, what we, that's what we declare when we make that covenant of marriage with each other. It's I love you and I'm going to love you until I can't breathe, until I'm not here anymore. But unfortunately, we know that's not how it always works, is it? That's not how it always works. That's, that's, I mean, that's how the story is supposed to go. That's, that's the hopes and dreams when we, we stand together before God and before the congregation, making that commitment to, together. That is the hope. That's the end dream. But it doesn't always end that way. Sometimes it ends in divorce. Divorce is a sad reality in our society. It destroys, it, 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 it leaves those involved brokenhearted and, and hurting. It shatters families. It damages kids. It has a sad impact on our world. But it happens so much in our, in our society. It happens so much in our lives that we've just grown numb to it, haven't we? We never stop and ask ourselves the question, but what does God think about divorce? So our question this morning as we look at Mark chapter 10 is, is divorce okay with God? Is he okay with it? Look at Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. And it says, Jesus then left that place and went to the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him. And as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. So as we try to answer our question of is God okay with divorce, I want us to stop and, and, and Recognize where Jesus is in his ministry at this point. He's traveling around, healing, teaching, preaching, all over the place. But chapter 10 marks a, a change in Jesus' ministry. See, now Jesus, he's no longer traveling. For the last time, it says he, he left that region. He, he is leaving the area of Galilee for the last time. He, he is directed, he has set his face toward the cross. And as he, as he journeys that road, as the, as the cross, the enemies of Jesus are beginning to get more and more desperate and trying to come up with more and better ways to trap him so they can arrest him. And in the passage before us today, the Pharisees have set such a trap. And that's what we're reading about today. Jesus entering their trap and trying to deal with this question of theirs. So we're going to go through the text a little bit. 
And they would always show up to where Jesus is. And most of them would gather to Jesus, hoping to see some type of miracle, hoping to see some type of healing or, or to be healed. I, I, I know there's no doubt that some of them were hoping to be a part of a miracle where they got free food. Right? Because Jesus already fed the 4,000 and 5,000 by this point. And nothing draws people, draws in a crowd like free food. And if I had to have free food after the service this morning, even if it was a snake's bar, some of you would say. Amen. Now, there we go. Now we're in the Church. There we go. <laughs> On the miracles. We are always drawn to the, to the cross. We always mention the resurrection. And for, for good reason, those things are important as, as, to us as Christians. It's by his death on the cross that he atoned for all of our sins. It's by his resurrection that you and I can find life and freedom from sin in our own lives. So yes, those are very important things. When we study Jesus, oftentimes we don't stop and look at his teaching. We, but we, the problem is we don't stop and slow down and wrestle with his teachings. Is the healing that we're seeking, the healing that we're hoping to find, the miracles that we're looking for are missed. Because so much of Jesus' power isn't just in a physical touch, isn't just in physical healing, there is healing power through his teaching. And so whenever Jesus is surrounded by these big, large crowds, he takes advantage of the moment and he teaches them. Why? Because healing comes along with this teaching. If you want Jesus to change your life, I, you know, I've been having to read this book for a long time, probably since I got here, right? Probably at least once a month I tell you, you need to read the Bible. If you, if you aren't willing to read the whole Bible, that, that, that's between you and God. But at the very least, go home and sit down and read the Gospels. Read the teachings of Jesus and tell me it doesn't change your life. Tell me it doesn't challenge the way you think. Tell me it doesn't call you to something higher, something different than what this world has to offer. There's healing that comes along with this teaching. Anyway, so back to the Pharisees in their trap, verses 2 through 4. So it says, Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? They, they aren't asking this question because they want to know the answer. The Pharisees could care less what Jesus answers the question. That's not the goal here. The Pharisees ask Jesus this, this question simply because they want to create drama. Get Jesus arrested. They're, they're asking the question not because they care about the answers, but because they want to get somebody in trouble. This isn't in my notes, but I've been reading a book last time, of Fire. It's a book put out by the Voice of the Martyrs. And one thing that breaks my heart about the book over and over again is you read these remarkable stories of, of ladies that follow Jesus at the risk of their very lives. Going from house to house, village to village, preaching the word of God. And so often it is not the world that rats them out. It's the church. So 
self-focused, so hard-hearted that they're willing to put to death somebody that's innocent. Willing to try and put a stop to the work that God's doing for the wife because they simply just can't take God to be somebody else not them. Church, we are not in competition with one another. Hey, I know you've had some great pastors that have come here before me. Hey, I've listened to Brother Henry preach. He's fantastic. So I could care less, and I don't know what happened. <laughs> it fell off. This one right here. This is the one right here? Thanks, Rodney. Where would your pastor be without Rodney? Still looking for the earpiece. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stop playing with it now. All right. <laughs> So these Pharisees, they ask this question simply because they want to stir up drama that's going to get Jesus arrested. Herod does not like this, but even worse is his wife doesn't like this. And then John thrown in prison and later on beheaded. So Jesus is in this area. And the Pharisees are coming to Jesus, asking him the question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And they're hoping Jesus answers in the same way that John the Baptist did. Because if Jesus answers in the same way that John the Baptist did, and the word gets back to Herod, then Herod's going to come and arrest Jesus, and he's going to kill Jesus for them. They don't have to worry about it. Their hands are clean. Is that there are two competing understandings on, on divorce in the Jewish religion. There are, two, there are two different groups and two different understandings competing over the same teaching. Notice what, what was it? They said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And Jesus answers their question with the question, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her As you can imagine, when we have a religious group looking at a sacred text, there is a disagreement on how to interpret what was written. Does that shock you? <laughs> in the law in question, this is, this, this is a law written by Moses. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, it says this. It says that the man two different understandings of how to interpret this law that Moses has written. And so the Pharisees are hoping that Jesus will side with one of these groups over the other one. And so some of those that are following him before, Jesus is teaching and stop following him. If you shrink the crowd that's following Jesus, it's easier to kill him. If you make more people mad at him, it's easier to get rid of him. So what are these two competing understandings? Well, there's one group and a very strict interpretation of this. They believe that Moses was implying, as Moses says, what was it? If a man marries a woman and she does not please him, because he has found something indecent in her, then he may draw up a divorce document. They look at that and they say, well, that could mean pretty much anything. I mean, if she fixes dinner tomorrow night and it tastes like dead dog, then I don't want her around. If she walks But those are the competing understandings. 
And the Pharisees are trying to get Jesus to take the bait and pick one of these sides so he can make one side mad at him and at the same time make Herod mad at him and then Jesus can be arrested. They can put him to death and put away this whole Jesus thing once and for all. Does that mean God's okay with divorce? Verse 5. It's because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. After the Pharisees answer their own question based on the law written by Moses, Jesus explains why Moses would write such a law. A legal interpretation of it. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He says it's because their hearts are hard. That's why Moses wrote this. This, this. this wasn't a command written by Moses. Moses didn't write it, and this isn't the law. But this is not a command. This is a concession. Because of the hardness of the hearts of the men involved. Moses giving permission for divorce to occur was a way to protect the women in the relationship. You see, at this point in time, and this is like, notice, notice in our entire reading of this, in our entire understanding, only the man was allowed to divorce his wife. Only the man can draw up the clear papers. Only the man can make a decision. Because the wife was just property. She had no say in the matter. Her opinion didn't count. It was what the man wanted. Can you imagine that divorce was forbidden? Sinful men sinful man chase after only one thing. And that is the pursuit of their own happiness. The things that pleasure them and make them feel good and make them feel happy about themselves. And so if such a man with such a heart and heart against God decided that he, was, he didn't want his wife anymore and he was not allowed to divorce her, what do you think his other options were going to be? He was either A, going to kill her, two, he was going to slander her, Three, he was just going to take her out in the middle of nowhere and dump her out. And she, oh, she just got lost. 
up and leave the kitchen? No matter how you spin this story, I'm just going to put one right here and talk right here. Me and this microphone are getting off All right. If you want to hear me, all right, I think that's okay. All right. In this society where men dominated the culture, Moses passed rights to protect women. This was an act of social justice, church. Just so you're aware, this was a social justice moment in the history of the world. Women who were only considered property in this moment, Moses counted as valuable. I said it that on purpose. Don't you dare as a Christian come to me and say social justice issues are our problem, because that is incorrect. There is no holiness without social holiness. Holiness is relationships. It's all about loving your neighbor and loving God. The problems of the world are our problem because they impact us. And if we allow the world to try and figure out by themselves using simple means and means of the world, then it's only going to get worse. Stop crying about it. Stop saying how hard it is, church. Put your boots on and get to work. Because Moses, in this moment, in a male-dominated society, where only the men had the right to choose divorce, looks at them and says, you need to write a piece of paper and write a reason why you're going to divorce her. As a means to protect her from being slandered against lies. As a means to protect her from being murdered. As a means to keep her from being tossed out into the middle of nowhere. Moses stood up for the rights of somebody that didn't have any. Divorce was not the will of God, but the will of sinful man. Men living in sin will not will stop at nothing to achieve their own happiness. A man willing to rid himself of his wife is already in a dead marriage. Did you realize that? If a man is willing to get rid of his wife, that marriage is not alive. It's already dead. All divorce does is legally declare it so. It's like if you're all in here and there's a dead body on the floor. We all knew it was dead. But ain't none of us in here doctors. Well, Dr. Mike, you're not here. Okay. Pretend you're not here for a minute. We would need a doctor to come in here and actually declare the person dead. We already know they're dead. Do we really need the doctor to tell us that? No. But legally, the doctor has to say so. A man wanting to get rid of his wife is in a marriage that's already dead. Because for a marriage to work, both the man and the woman must be 100% committed to breathing life into it. Without both, it will not work. If both parties are not putting 100% trying to breathe life into that marriage, it will not work. There is no amount of counseling that will fix it. There's, there's no amount of calls to Dr. Bill that can save you. Going on, on the Jerry Springer show, you're not going to help you. 
family and cling to his wife for life. But a hard heart is not interested in the will of God. And there's no amount of legislation or arguing that can change that. So is God okay with divorce? No. God is not okay with divorce. God's will is for your marriage, for my marriage, and for all marriages to be a covenant between a man and a woman for life. His will is that a man and woman breathe life into a family through both their full commitment to do so. When one or both stop breathing life into the marriage, then the marriage is dead. And while God's will for us is to stay married, His will is also for us not to be slaves to death. You realize that? God does not want you to be a slave to death. And marriages can die. And if both persons remain chained to a dead marriage, it will rob them of life. I'll say that again. If both people remain chained to a dead marriage, it will rob them of life, and that is not the will of God either. Divorce is a legal declaration of death for a marriage that is already dead. A man or woman stops breathing life into a marriage because of sin in their hearts. You can make up any excuse you want to. You can make any you can set, give me any cause for why a marriage would end, and you can trace it back to one thing, and that is sin. If it's because of adultery, that's sin. If it's because of pornography, then that's adultery and that's sin. If it's because of abuse, that's sin. If it's because of neglect, that's sin. If it's because of drifting apart, they're just not fulfilling my needs anymore. That's sin. Why? Because love is a choice. It's a choice to say, I am going to surrender myself, my will, my wants, my desires. I'm going to lay them aside because I love you and I care about you more than I do myself. That's what takes place in marriage. Between a man and a wife, both of them co-submitting to one another. Laying down their lives in love for one another. But when one decides to stop doing that, the marriage dies. And it doesn't matter how much the other one tries to revive it. It doesn't matter how much effort or work they put into it. If the other person's heart is hardened by sin, unwilling to change, there is nothing that they can do because they're changed, they're chained to a marriage that is dead, clinging to death. In that moment. Yes, God is not divorced. That's not okay with divorce. It's not God's will. But in that moment, divorce is a mercy. Allowing what is dead to be dead. My friend Josh put it this way. When someone dies, you think God's okay with someone dying? 
You think God's okay with people dying? No. God designed you and I to live forever. We were not created for death. We picked death. But you don't see me going over to the graveyard preaching out the tombstones, do you? Saying, you have sinned against God by being dead and I'll raise up. I don't try that too often. John, at least tell me 20 minutes head start. You're running. <laughs> They only live three miles down the road. <laughs> There's no use because they're already dead. And then if they have faith in Jesus, then with Jesus, you don't want to bring back anyone. But when it comes to a marriage and it's dead, you can't stand preaching over it, trying to bring it back to life. Mercy, the mercy in that moment is that divorce document saying this marriage is indeed Break loose those individuals from the chains of death so that way they can live. Do you realize that death is not the mark of God's kingdom? Death is not the mark of God's kingdom. Nor is it of those who follow Jesus. Jesus came so that we could have life and live and live to the fullest. The theologian Beauty Perkins wrote, the kingdom of God inaugurated by Jesus' ministry does not belong to the hard-hearted, faithless generation. It's the hard-hearted that clings to death. It's the hard-hearted that chews death. It's the hard-hearted that chews the ways opposite of God. God is not okay with divorce because he is not okay with death. And in, and in Jesus... You don't have to experience death. You don't have to have death in your life. You can have life. That's the whole gospel story. Jesus came and died on the cross so you could have life. In your personal life, Jesus wants you to have life. He wants you to be alive. He wants to break you free from the chains of this world. That drag you towards destruction. He wants to break you from the simple patterns of this world, the simple behaviors, the simple attitudes, so you can truly live as God designed you to live. But more than that, too, Jesus came and died on the cross so you can have life in your marriage. Have you ever stopped and wonder why Paul in Ephesians 5 writes about marriage? Have you read that verse? It says, wives, you know, submit to your husbands. It goes to this long spiel. But at the very end of it, Paul says something very profound. He says, in this moment, I am not talking about man and wife marriage. I am talking about me. I'm talking about Christ and the church. Jesus laid down his life so that the church could live. And the church is laying down their lives so that the message of hope and life could be passed on. Hello? It's life. God's will is for you to live, both as a person and in your marriage. But this cannot happen if your heart remains hardened. You must make the choice to accept life. You must make the choice to breathe life into your marriage. I can't make it for you. I can't, I, I can't, I can sit here and preach all afternoon. 
I still have a half hour on the clock. I can keep going. To the end, I can't make that decision for you. Because for love to exist, you must have a choice. What are you going to choose this morning? On the interpersonal life, are you going to choose to accept the life of Christ, the power of resurrection, resurrection to come in you and, and breathe new life into you? What about in your marriage? Are you going to choose to use this freedom and power found in Christ, that new life? Are you going to choose to use it to breathe life into that relationship with that person you stood before God, where you stood at the altar, you said, I will love you. So I can't anymore. You make that decision each and every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dirt Pass Sermon Podcast. If you live in or near the Greensburg, Kentucky area or find yourself visiting our community on a Sunday morning, please join us at 1030 a.m. Central Time at Greensburg Church of Nazarene, located at 31 Bluebird Lane.